0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, I believe that God wants to use every single one of us. I believe it's foundationally in my DNA, in my bones, in my whatever. I believe that God wants to use every single person that He calls. I don't believe that there's such a thing as an insignificant Christian. I don't believe that you can be a follower of Jesus and that your life doesn't have uh, something extraordinary in it. Maybe you won't see that this side of heaven. Maybe it won't be until you get before God and He plays the video of what your life did and the lives that got impacted out of what you gave and what you said and what you believed for and prayed for. But I believe that every single one of us God wants to use for significance. I believe also that God wants to grow you. No matter how old you are or how long you've been following, I believe that there's more for every single one of us. No matter who you are. You might say, but I've been to Bible college or, oh, I'm a seasoned intercessor. I'm used by God in this. And I would say to you, oh, but there's still So much more, the Apostle Paul said, I am pressing on to apprehend that for which I was apprehended by Christ. In other words, even as he sat in that jail cell after years of following Christ, planting churches all around the Gentile world, he still said, You know what? I have not arrived yet, I'm not there yet. There is more for my life. He said, I'm still pursuing at the same level of vigour that I had when I uh, was encountered by Christ and that light from heaven shone, knocked me to the ground. I heard the voice of God tell me that uh, He had called my life. He said, I'm still running at that same level of vigour. So I believe that there's more for every single one of us And I want you and me to pursue that. One of the things I love most about the spirit of Jesus is how often he does things that are so different to the spirit of the world, to the way people normally respond to that kind of, well, that's just how people act. But somehow or other, Jesus so often does things differently. In John chapter 4, Jesus and His disciples are going through this region called Samaria. For those of you who don't know, uh, Samaria was kind of like the wrong end of town for a Jewish person. I think it's in about verse 2 or 3. It says Jesus said He needed to go through Samaria. Well, it wasn't because you know, he couldn't afford to walk past it because the fact was almost every Jewish person would. But he needed to go to Samaria and the disciples would have been puzzled going, why are we going here when it's the last place any of us dream of being? In verse nine, a woman who's a Samaritan woman that Jesus is talking to tells Jesus, how come you're even speaking to me? Because Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. But you see, God's set the whole thing up. And how often God has set up where we are, even though the places where we are don't look like something we would order off the menu. They don't look like something we would design or something that we would plan out And yet there they are in Samaria and it just so happens that they're hungry. They haven't eaten. Maybe they skipped breakfast that morning. Whatever it is that they are hungry. And so Jesus, again, part of a plan, sends the disciples off to go and get food for them. Why? Because I've got no doubt that they would not have countenanced what comes next. Jesus sits down by a well and there's only one person there. How remarkable is that? Wells were like the town gossip place. they were like a coffee shop. It's where everybody went and they sat and they chatted over the news of the day and what was going on in their town. But this day, there's one woman only there and Jesus engages her in conversation. You say, well, so what? Well, A, she's a Samaritan, B, she's a woman, and C, this woman has been five times divorced and is now living with a man who's not her husband. And you might say, well, in our day and age, we might kind of go, well, okay, or raise our eyebrow and think, well, I wonder what happened there. But in that day, this woman would not have had conversation with anyone. Most people would have kind of go, you know, they would have given her the polite hello and just kept on walking and talked about her over the dinner table to their kids and said, don't end up like her. And Jesus starts engaging this woman in conversation, actually ends up revealing to her that He is the Messiah even long before the disciples hear it. It's an extraordinary story that in this place that is so difficult, Jesus finds a way to engage the plan of God. When the disciples come back, they're amazed he's talking with her. The Bible actually says that they are astonished. What, like why? But none of them are going to ask him why. Uh, maybe they shrug their shoulders and go, well, who knows? Maybe God had a plan. Or maybe they go, well, Jesus has really crossed the line this time. I don't know what it is. But I'm sure that every one of them had the let's hurry up and get out of here kind of an attitude. And listen to this one verse in John 4.35. Listen to this one response after all I've just said and the whole panorama of that picture, everything that's going on. Listen to what Jesus says in John 4.35. They're in Samaria, a place they'd never go. He's been talking to a woman they'd never talked to. And they are saying, let's get out of here. And Jesus says, Do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white to harvest. Jesus talks to them in this place that's unlikely, that's unsuitable, that's uncomfortable, and Jesus talks to them about vision. Remember what I said? One of the things I love about the Spirit of Jesus is how often He does things that are so out of the ordinary, so different to the way most people think. They've grown up with, when it comes to Samaritans, they've grown up with, why bother? Oh, that's ridiculous. That's too difficult. Oh, they wouldn't listen to us anyway. They hate us. There's no point to this. And Jesus steps in the middle of that awkward place and says, let me tell you, there's harvest here. Someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, not in this church and not even from this city, they said to me, a Christian leader, they said, now is not the time to be talking about vision. But I think, This is exactly the time Jesus would speak about vision. A US researcher that I heard interviewed the other day who's written a book on change and offered up this observation that in the last 12 months, their research and the, you know, I don't know how they do this, but how they survey people, but they said there's a vastly reduced number of people this year in 2021, that have made New Year's resolutions than ever before. That the whole idea of planning for the future and setting goals and dreaming dreams just naturally, that so many people have stopped doing that in this time, waiting for the end of something before they'll start considering a new beginning. One year ago, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's time to seek the Lord. And so every week I'd set aside time and uh, come and pray, usually in the building here, and come and pray and write down what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And then I'd go and I'd type it up. And now I'm up to 55, I think, typed pages of all of that stuff. And when I read it again, as I do from time to time, And and I'm not infallible. Nobody is. But what I feel the Holy Spirit keeps saying to my heart about where we are and about the future, I realise there's so many issues that are swirling around our nation and other nations right now. Not just COVID. But it's almost like everything of value seems to be getting shaken. And people are wondering where it's all going. And I thought you might like to know what I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say. He keeps saying to me, pray, believe, trust, dream, hope. I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say, even in the midst of sometimes change and difficulties that I could not anticipate, And when my mind will go to that and think, yes, but what about and God, how's that going to happen? Oh God, where's this going to end up? But when I come to pray, do you know what I mean by that? When sometimes when you come to pray, it's like God says the opposite of your brain. Do you know what I'm saying there? You know, it's almost like you come and you hear a voice that you go, well, I wouldn't think like that. But He keeps saying, Pray. Believe, trust, dream and hope. A vision from God is a prophetic word that God will fulfill. When God speaks to your heart and it may be grand and elaborate and complex and, and world famous or it might be small, it might be little, it might be something that pertains to you and your family. It might be that in this time you start getting a dream of a family that's whole rather than limping. It might be that your business, instead of just surviving, you get a dream of what it could be and what you could do. And I believe that this is the kind of time where Jesus would speak about vision. Now is the time for vision and faith for your family. For your work, for your ministry. Think about it a minute. I just want to dwell on this in a minute. When God came to Gideon and said, Hail, thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you, and you're going to deliver Israel as one man because I'm with you. It was so absolutely unlikely. By his own admission, Gideon said, I'm the least, I'm the least experienced, I'm the least likely, I've got no influence. And God goes, that's okay, because I'm with you. It was very definitely unsuitable. Their enemies are crowding them around so much that he's hiding just to grind out a little bit of flour. It's absolutely uncomfortable because this guy is so shy, he hides behind his dad. He doesn't want to step out of the crowd. But even though it's unlikely, unsuitable, uncomfortable, Guess what? God turns up and says, let me tell you about vision. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Think about Moses. God comes to Moses in the backside of the desert through a burning bush. Is that unlikely? Look, he wasn't near a temple. Some people think God only talks to you if you're a church. This is his workplace. He's out there with the sheep. Some of you in this week to come, God's going to speak to you in your workplace. And you're going to go, God, I I, I thought you'd wait till Sunday. He goes, no, no, no. I'm in all of life, not just parts of life. He's not a box. He's not a compartment that we come and visit. Church is not what we visit. It's who we are. It's what we're a part of. And so Moses, it's very definitely unlikely. It's absolutely unsuitable. Like, because God says, go back to Egypt. I'm sending you back to Egypt. And he goes, you're kidding. They want to kill me back there. I am wanted. My poster is up in every police station of Egypt. It's so unsuitable. That's the wrong place. Lord, can I please go to Iraq instead? Can I go to Mesopotamia? Pick any nation other than that one. God goes, no, I know it's unsuitable for you, but it's where I want you to go. It's absolutely uncomfortable. So much so that Moses is, he always amazes me because he argues with God. How many people like me, you just give up arguing with God because it doesn't work? It's like, hello, he's bigger than you, smarter than you. He's ahead of you. But not Moses. Moses goes, hey, God, I can't speak. Now, if you read the book of Acts, it says he was learned in all the arts of oratory. What he was really saying is, I'm so damaged by what's happened in my life, by the last 40 years of failure, that I've lost confidence. And God goes, don't worry, I'll give that back to you. Come on, will you go? Think about Abram, who becomes Abraham. It's definitely unlikely when God turns up at the age of 75 and says, get out of here, I'm going to take you to a place to make a great nation out of you. And he goes, woo Finally, Sarah, can you imagine when he goes and says to Sarah, she's 65. And says to to the 65-year-old wife, guess what? We're leaving here and we're going out and God is going to make a great nation out of us. And don't forget to bring your pension card. (laughs) And off they go, getting free rail travel. Is that still a thing? I don't know, I wouldn't have a clue. Whatever it is, they go out there for all this stuff. And they get out there, and God keeps tormenting to for the next twenty-four years. He's ninety-nine when God finally says to him, "Guess what? I haven't forgotten. It's coming to pass." Is it unlikely? Ha <laughs> Oh yeah. Is it unsuitable? Oh yeah. Is it uncomfortable? Imagine going to crash with your kid. Imagine going up the parents' room. And you're 91. And they come in and they go, Oh, it's so lovely you here with your great grandchild. No, it's, it's mine. And they would be kind of like, Whoa, well, I don't know, maybe she's been in the sun too long. And then, can you imagine the first day of school and, and Abraham's 105? And they go, Walking up, we want to enroll our child. Here he is. They must have, like, talk about unsuitable. Talk about uncomfortable. Jesus spoke about faith in the middle of storms. Is that unlikely? Yes. Is that unsuitable? Well, they all thought so. Is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. I believe that this is a time, I do with all my heart believe that the Holy Spirit, because if He's saying it to me, He's not just saying it to me, I'm sure. I'm sure He's saying it to you. I'm sure there's some of you here that feel that stirring in your heart, that thing of don't give up and don't lay down and don't settle for second best and don't believe everything you read. But come on, get into this book and read that because it's different. You read it and it's not information, it's transformation. And get into that in your life and start to let it speak something fresh into your heart. Who can tell if your best days are not the ones that are to come? But I don't want to just talk about that in a way that says, come on, you know, let's all get up and rah, rah, rah. Let me talk to you for a minute about how I believe in every one of those cases I've mentioned, every single one. Let me tell you about the process by which a vision starts to come to pass. I call it like the principle of flow because we don't need a moment of miracles or a moment of blessing. I don't want a moment of anointing. I want a flow of it in my life. I don't want to have a lucky dip mentality, something that says God will swoop down And at the last minute, He'll solve everything. I don't want to have a miracle just because I'm desperate. That's pretty good to have, by the way. But I want to live a life of those things because, see, it's not ever just about what I need. It's about what God is able to bring through my life to others. That's flow. It's a moment when it's just about you. When all it is is about what I get, I get that promotion or I get that job or the tender gets accepted. That's brilliant. But what if there was a flow in your life? What if there was more than that? What if instead of just getting you emotionally out of the place of despair that you've been inhabiting for a while, God was able to make you a well of joy for people around about you? What if He was able to strengthen you in such a way that wherever you went, you not only got blessed, but you were a blessing? Psalm eighty-four is one of my favourite psalms, and it says, "Blessed are those whose heart is set on pilgrimage." It says they go through the valley of Baca, which means weeping. They go through this terrible place, and they turn it into a place of refreshing and pools. What a brilliant thing it is if you and I can be that. So let me just round this message off by talking to you about the principle of flow in your life. The Bible says that God's blessing is a flow, not a moment. You remember that verse in in Malachi chapter 3? He says, If you will bring the tithes into the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven and pour. He doesn't say drop a blessing. He says I'll pour out a blessing. When he's speaking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he says that it flows Down from the head. So I know that the things of God are meant to flow in our life. They're not meant to just be an occasional moment. And when it comes to vision, I need flow happening in my life. I need there to be a movement of more that's happening. It's how God works. So let me start off by saying that we are the ones. Who start flow? Flow starts with our yes. I think about the people like we interviewed Abram, uh, Abe, in mingled time today, or Hayden and Nikki did. And there is a young man raised as a Muslim who comes to Christ. You're gonna hear his story at Easter and I'm not sure one one of the services, and whichever one they are, they will be phenomenal in terms of inspiring and impact, you really want, will want to have your friends there for it. But, you know, you hear that story. And then I heard him saying mingle time. I don't know. They certainly don't script them. So I know it wasn't scripted. But he, he spoke about all the stuff that's happened in my life and how I've changed since. I remember the day he came. I said hello to him. I remember he told me a bit about his story. He said, I'm looking for God. I thank God for all the people that the Holy Spirit is moving on. Some of you that are a part of this service in the building or online. And you go, why am I here? How do I end up? Uh, I've written church off. I thought God was for old women and kids. And somehow or other, here you are. And you're hearing something and, and your brain goes, oh, I don't know. I've got all these questions. But something inside of here goes, no, this is for you. Now I think about that. But I know it started with Abe saying yes. And right around this building this morning, I see scores and scores and more of people who started a flow in their life, but with something so small. But they started it. Jesus died on a cross 2,000 plus years ago. It's always been there. But nothing happened in your life until the day you said, yes, it's a bit like this if I show you. Here is a light. Yep, it's a light. It's just a light. And, you know, right now there's no light. There's no light there. There's no light there. Hallelujah, there's no light there. For in that city bright where Jesus is the light. Hallelujah, there's no night there. I thought I just dragged that one out of the memory banks so you know how well my memory works. Isn't that right, Barry? I mean... (laughs) But see, when I plug it in... This better work. How's this going? And I plug it in and I turn it on and I hit the switch. Voila, the magic of light. And you go, duh, what did you expect? That's my point though. Nothing happened despite all the potential electrical power that's in this building. It's everywhere. And all that meters spinning around, that's how we air condition this building. We just use the power meters. They just spin around like a big fan. Nothing happens until someone makes a connection. Listen, God's got everything for you, but until you make a connection, nothing's happening. You're not plugged in. Oh, you might be good. You might be a nice person. You know, you might have lots of friends, but I'm telling you, without being plugged in, some people are plugged into religion. But all of that is just a power board that's blown the fuse. Religion's got nothing for you. Oh, you might get plugged into all kinds of self-worth strategies, all kinds of things about loving yourself. But until you plug into the one who loved you so much, he said, I'll die for you. The light doesn't go on. The reality is that it starts, this is a hard thing for for Christians to get, let alone people that aren't Christian. It starts with you. Because we want it all to start with God. We want God to come down. Oh, my little child, I see you in all your pain. And I love you so much, just lay down. Just lay down and let me take over. How many have ever prayed, oh, God, take over my life? Because I have. How many have discovered he doesn't do it? He says, watch what I'm going to do. And then he says, go and do this. And we go... Try that again. Watch what I'm going to do. Now I want you to go, Gideon. And we go, I thought you were going to slay the Midianites. He goes, yeah, I am, but take a sword in just in case. Are you with me? Come on now. Luke 6.38 doesn't say, well, because you're a beautiful believer, I'm just going to pour it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Doesn't say that. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it shall be given. What? Give. So who starts that? You do. Malachi 3.10. You bring the tithes into the storehouse and see if I won't pull out of us and Go, hold on a second here, Lord. I want you to do it. Until connection's made. No power flows. Listen, I'm no different to you. I've been in despair at points of my life. I've got, oh God, if you're really there. I don't know about the rest of you here. I found the Holy Spirit to be very much a, come on now, are you over your pity party? And he just like, I, I, seriously, in all my years, I feel like the Holy Spirit's off and just going, when you're ready, we can keep going. And I'm going like, well, I was actually hoping that this once, you just do it all. And he goes, come on, get up and start believing. I'm going, I don't want to believe. I just want to suck my thumb and call for my mummy. <laughs> he says no it starts with you here's the second thing is that small steps open big doors often the things that God asks you to do next aren't big he says to Gideon go and cut down the grove up behind your father's house and he went at night why did he go at night? because he was a chicken I don't know if that expression translates to other nations. He was a chicken. He was a coward. He was scared. So he goes up at night when no one can see him. And he doesn't even go on his own. He takes his father's servants. Why? Because they have to go. And he cuts the thing down. wasn't a big deal. But see, once you plug in and say yes, the next thing, is what makes flow start happening. You start with a small step. Maybe for some of you here, you start dreaming about your family. You go, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, 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 God. And the Lord says, how about you get out of bed just 15 minutes earlier and spend 15 minutes claiming my promises for your family? God, my business is in trouble. I'd like you to give more. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 9, Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Don't despise these small beginnings. How quickly we go, well, that's ridiculous. Rather than going, you know what? Even if it's small, I'm going to do it. Sometimes this time is the most difficult one because it's where it requires the most effort for the least visible result. You pray and no much. time. How many people here ever started a gym program or a diet? One hand in the whole building. Nobody here needs a gym. No one here needs a diet. I was talking to someone the other day, a friend of mine. Said, I've been on this diet. And they told me the name of it. They said, I've been on this thing and I'm not looking any different. I'm going, well, two days later, you probably don't. Some people think if they get a card for the gym with their name on it, they'll walk in and walk out buff, ripped. I'm a member of a gym. <laughs> That's not. I'm a member of a church. I must be holy. Here's the last thing. It's not flow if you stop. Isn't that deep? It's some flow if you stop. You've got to keep flow going. It's one thing to start it. Plug in. Say your yes. Take the small steps. You know what you do next? Keep going. That's the boring bit. That's the bit where a lot of people stop. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says So let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up. And we don't quit. You know, when I was, I was getting uh, my heart ready for this message and preparing for it, I felt the Holy Spirit say that there's a number of you here today and you're under pressure and stress and there's some big knees. I'm speaking to those people who are just feeling tired and worn down. I speak to those people who go, you know what, I'm just fed up. I'm ready for something to change in my life. And I want to pray with you and for you wherever you are. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will come like John said in the worship. And we had, you know, it's funny, I'm walking around the house this morning singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I had no idea what the song list was supposed to be for the morning. I'm walking around the house getting ready singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Why? Because that's why we gather. We don't gather so we can parade our latest outfit. We don't gather so we can just catch up with people we know. We come first, please, team, come. We come first and foremost. Why? Because we want God to position us for what he wants to do next. I want to pray with those of you here. I'm going to get the team, Jonathan Wood, just to sing that, that chorus of the Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I want you to join with me wherever you are. Maybe you're at home as a part of this, like Rhonda and I were and that hotel room last week, and there was nobody around. There wasn't the choir of 10,000 angels. There was just two older, in my case, croaky and husky voices, way too much preaching. And there we are. But no matter where you are, I want you to join in. And I want you to make this your prayer and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come on, what do you want me to do? What Would you reignite? I don't know about you. I feel like in this last year, the Holy Spirit keeps saying, why don't you dream bigger? Not in some, I don't know, positive motivational sense. I just believe that God wants to do extraordinary things in our nation. See, I, I don't believe that our nation's headed down the gurgler. I believe that it's headed for glory. Because the Bible says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the water's covered the sea. I spent time yesterday. I'm praying for you, whatever nation you're in. The Bible says, let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered. We don't need more debates and commissions. And what we need is a mighty move of the Holy Spirit that will bring hundreds and thousands of people across the globe into a knowledge of Christ. And if we will let God do that, you tell me, Jeff, what's it gonna look like? Well, let me just show you this for a second, if I can just indulge me for a minute while I bring this up. I thought this was so extraordinary, I took a photo of it. The ratio of Christians to non-Christians throughout human history. In AD 100, there were 300 non-believers for every believer. By AD 1000, it was down to 220. By 1500, it was down to 69. By 1900, down to 27. By 1950, there were only 22 unbelievers for every believer. By 1980, that was down to 11. By 1990, the last data I've got, it was down to seven. Can you see what God is doing? God's reaching people, folks. I Listen, don't believe all the nonsense and stuff that says we're all headed for the, you know, the It's terrible. Oh God! What's happening? God's moving, that's what's happening. Amen. What a day to be alive. Come on, let's sing it. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Would you make it your prayer where you are? Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place. Come flood this place. Fill the atmosphere of my heart, Lord. Your, your glory, your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for. Do something extraordinary. By your presence, Lord. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's sing it together. Oh, come flood this place. Lord, do something extraordinary in our life. This name Lord I pray for everyone wherever they are let your light so shine now Lord I'm praying for every person wherever they are who in their heart right now is saying Lord I'm going to start a flow for my home for my children for my business, for my career, for my ministry, for my city, for my state, for my nation. I'm saying yes to what you want to do. Speak something to my heart, Lord. I'll take whatever next step needs to be taken. And God, I'll keep going until it becomes a flow and not just a moment's inspiration in Jesus' name. Thank you Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen. Some of you here will not have started by saying your yes to Christ and trusting Him for salvation. The older I get, the more in awe I become of the power of the Gospel. You know, the Apostle Paul was one of the most learned scholars of his era. He was famous for his intellect. Famous for his ability to argue and to debate. But this is what he had to say about the gospel. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. I've been around, I don't know how many countries, but I tell you what, it doesn't matter what environment. Doesn't matter whether it's in one of the poorest countries of the world or one of the wealthiest ones. The gospel is the power of God to save people's hearts. Folks, thank God for all the education. I'm a big fan, but it'll never be enough. We need the transforming power of Christ. And regardless of whatever governments say we should do or shouldn't do, the gospel will still have invisible but spectacular power to change hearts and lives, and all it takes is a yes. You just plug in. Isn't that ridiculous? But you know, the switch for that light wasn't a big switch. I never had to have something huge and a massive lever, and you know, just that's what your yes does when you give it to Christ. It's as simple as that. I thank God for yes text. I got sent data this week, I'd asked Bruce for it. It was like ludicrous. I think 120 something people have sent their yes text in. That does include those that have given their life to Christ in the building through other ways, or in connect groups in other ways, or in other ministries of the church in Hope, for instance. But what amazed me was how many interactions there were after that, it was like in the thousands of people saying, tell me, I want to know. But it starts with a yes. We're going to all pause for a minute. We're going to pray because some of you here today, this will be the day you will say yes to Jesus and it'll change your life. 488 826392 if you're in Australia. Yes.metrochurch.org.au If you're outside of Australia or you want to get our daily encouragement via email and that's all it is we don't write and ask you for anything we simply send that to you from our church no one else we send you that encouragement of a Bible verse and a prayer so let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for every heart, every life there are people today Lord that you have organised to be here to hear this and today they're going to say yes some of them Lord used to walk with you and lost their way today they're going to go I'm coming back I'm coming back to the heart of God I'm coming back to the Father and they'll say their yes others Lord it's their first time they've never heard it like this and they'll give their yes and this will be the beginning of a flow of spiritual life and joy and truth and peace beyond what they ever could have imagined thank you for it Lord in Jesus name Amen God bless you and thank you. Can we give those people a big hand because they're all real people, real places. People saying yes.